I'm David Farrier, a Kiwi who ended up accidentally marooned in America, and I want to grasp what makes this country tick. Now in New Zealand, we have one theme park, Rainbow's End. Take me back to the rainbow, that rainbow kind of magic. The thing you need to know about Rainbow's End is that it's tiny. It has one main roller coaster, about 10 bumper cars, and a log flume. We used to have a pirate ship, but they shut it down. The theme park ride that has caused more people to lose their lunch than any other has swung its last swing. The pirate ship at Rainbow's End is going into retirement. Now here in America, they do theme parks a little differently. To summarise, they're bigger. And they're a place that everyone wants to go cunningly marketed as the ultimate destination for maximum happiness. You just won the Super Bowl. What are you doing next? I'm going to go to Disney World. Last year, Disney's Parks and Experiences division made $17 billion. And that was during COVID. Usually it's another $10 billion on top of that. 77 million people visit Disneyland and Disney World each year. Harper's Magazine reckons 70% of Americans have been. Why are these numbers so high? Well, it's because it's not just kids who go there. So get ready to give yourself a full sleeve tattoo of the Little Mermaid. This is the Disney Adults episode. Flatless. Flatless. Flatless bird touchdown in America. I'm a flatless bird touchdown in America. Disney Adults. Also, I love the way you say adults. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Disney adults. <laughs> Disney adults. Do you have any knee-jerk reaction? We have a very good friend, Perfect mm. Ten Charlie's wife, <laughs> who is a Disney adult. She loves it. Like, it literally yeah. lights up her whole world when she thinks about it. I got her a coffee table book of <laughs> Disneyland. But you know what's hilarious? She was looking at a potential suitor for oh, me. Okay. okay. And she was like, oh, you can't. He likes Disney. And I was like, you like Disney. Yeah, he's one of you. Yeah, so there's judgment. It's a whole thing. There's a lot of divisions within the world of Disney adults yeah. and different levels and a lot of judgment going on. It's so interesting. But for me, I, it is such a strange thing because I had no idea it existed until I got on TikTok and was looking at, there's like two camps. There's people that are like very anti-Disney adult. Okay. And then there's the very <laughs> earnest Disney adults who are defending themselves. And it is just such a fascinating thing. Look, I'm not ever going to shit on something that brings people magic. And mm. I do think it does. Mm -hmm. You can see it in people. Also, I grew up at Disney World. So we spent every spring break at Disney. Okay. Since I was like in a stroller, my parents, they don't do uncomfortable stuff. Right. And dragging a kid around in a stroller all day for five days park hopping. Oh my God. They did it and they wanted to. I think there's also a big immigrant contingency at Disney for Disney adults. It's a leveler because I guess you can be from a million different backgrounds, but it's this one thing that unites everyone in yes. this utopia, basically. And it's like just a quick espresso shot to America. <laughs> I did go out and talk to a bunch of people just to sort of get their take on Disney, and right. the results varied a lot. Yeah, I think there should be Disneyland everywhere. Hollywood Studios, MGM, Epcot, Magic Kingdom, and Animal Kingdom. What about it is so... I mean, aren't they for children, those places? You are, but you got to love it. You got to love it. You all have an inner child. You got to let it come outside and play sometimes. 
Have you run into this thing where they refer to them as like Disney adults, adults who like almost like won't give up? Yeah, it's like the kind of nostalgia thing that I think we all have, but they have a special connection to like the Disney movies that we all kind of saw when we were kids. I mostly go because I like Star Wars and, you know, there's a lot of Star Wars things over there. So Because it takes us out of reality. <laughs> Every single part of Disney World is meant to take you outside of reality. A little overcrowded. I mean, if you look at their Yelp reviews, they have a one star, so it's supposed to be the happiest place on earth. It's the happiest place on earth. But they have a Yelp star of one, which is crazy. I don't know. It's just kind of dorky to me. You just go, you have fun for however long you have, and then you leave. It's not like I'm going to spend hours and hours here. Who made you the boss of Disneyland? I'm not the boss of Disneyland. So it differs so much on what Americans think of Disney and Disney adults. It's polarizing. It is. It should be on the ballot. And also, so many people know a Disney adult, like you. Like, everyone knows one. And I didn't realize it was that much of a common thing. I also wonder if there's a hereditary component to Disney (laughs) because if you grew up there, you just have an affinity. There is a nostalgia and I think maybe your brain gets wired to... Just to love it so much. To love it and to like really truly remind you of your childhood. Like, you know, be a kid that day is what one of them said. You let your inner child out and celebrate that fact. You either think it's really appealing and kind of lovely to think of an adult doing that and other people just find it incredibly creepy like the idea of regressing back to your childhood and they see that as being a really creepy strange thing and i think that's my reaction as a kiwi i look at it very cynically and i'm like you need to grow up and get on with your life and stop pretending you're a child because you're not a child anymore you're a 45 year old man you know okay that's my take on the whole thing It's like a social contract you're entering into. It's like when you go to a metal concert, it's like I'm going to have my violent Mm. output and I'm going to like go in a mosh and then my glasses will fall off and that's what's going to happen. Disney, it's going to be safe. I'm safe to be a dork. I can just be that for a day. Yeah, you can leave your identity behind and click back into this other community that's peaceful and lovely and not scary. The world is not scary there. Yeah, I wonder if we could really break it down into who's there. Is it cool kids who are sick of being cool? Or is it dorky kids who want to feel at home and want to feel level with everyone else? I I don't want to be too judgmental. I kind of thought it was dorky kids. But I went and met one of them because I think it's unfair. I want to judge them so hard, but I also want to hold back on that. So this is my quest to go and find out what actually makes a Disney adult tick. And I'm really happy because I met a Disney adult who is also incredibly Mm self-aware and could critique not only themselves, but Disney as a whole. Disneyland opened back on July 17th, 1955. The only one of Disney's theme parks that was built under the direct watchful eye of Walt Disney. And his park has been making kids cry ever since. You could go anywhere, where would you want to go? Disneyland. Why don't we go? (gasps) We going? We're leaving today to go to Disneyland. Are you joking? No, I'm not joking. Are we dead? (laughs) The original park is found in California. Then there's Disney World in Florida, and a bunch of parks overseas in cities like Tokyo and Hong Kong. After some initial skepticism from the French, Disneyland Park opened in Paris, too. But Disneyland in Anaheim is the original, the OG, or should I say the OD. And as I mentioned earlier, 
it's not just built for kids, it's for adults too. My name is Yuliana Kovacs. I work in the restaurant industry, doing admin work. How many times do you think you would have been to Disneyland now, ballpark? Okay, let's see. Uh, I think I could safely say over like 500 times. I'd heard about Yuliana from a friend of mine who knew I was doing an episode about Disneyland. This is how he described her to me in a text. I have a friend in her 30s. She's really sweet and she's part of this community of adults obsessed with Disney. She goes to Disneyland a couple of times a week and has made friends with all the other Disney freaks. The second I got that text, I knew I wanted to speak to this particular freak. What drew me into Disney, I would have to say, growing up in Southern California with a dad that traveled for his work and a mom who was on her own a lot of the time looking for places to go with me. She would take me to Disney about one or two times a week in my stroller and she would just take me around and we would just like watch shows and she would people watch. And she's not making that up. She gets more flashbacks than an episode of Lost. I do have those flashes, especially when I go there now, of like things that happened when I was younger. I remember watching the Main Street Electrical Parade in Fantasyland in my pajamas. I have memories of like being on the tram, going back to parking, like falling asleep. As she got older, she continued to go to Disneyland for her birthday, in her words, because it was fun and magical. Sometimes her mum would take her out of school for a mental health day, which is a bit naughty, but I'm into it. America, land of the free. I guess truancy counts in that. You get one day a year that you get to pick that you don't have to go to school and I'll take you wherever you want, which of course it was Disneyland. In New Zealand, we've literally got one theme park. It's called Rainbow's End. It's truly pathetic. It has, I think, (laughs) one roller coaster. It used to have a pirate ship ride, but that's closed. It's got some bumper boats. But I don't really understand, I guess, theme park culture. Can you try and like explain to me what makes Disneyland so fucking special? So the thing I think that sets Disney apart from everything is the nostalgia, the design, and the fact that it's rooted in stories that we've grown up knowing. Sleeping Beauty, sparkling with colorful spectacle, brimming with gay music and delightful new songs. Filled with fascinating new Disney characters. All these characters that you like develop that love for as a child watching the movies, all that stuff is represented in the parks. I totally understand how this is appealing to kids. The power of nostalgia is strong. We wouldn't have things like Stranger Things and a new Ghostbusters film every few years without it. And don't get me started on Star Wars, which is Disney, of course. But I still don't get why adults are subjecting themselves to this place again and again and again. I've spent the week watching Instagram stories and TikTok videos from growing humans who are absolutely frothing at the mouth about Disneyland. There's an account called Disney Tats that has 193,000 followers, and it's just people covered in tattoos of Disney characters. And there are two big genres of video I fell into. One involved people mocking Disney adults. my whole life. Can you please take a picture? Mickey, I absolutely love you. I want you to have my kids. The other type of video was the opposite. 
Disney adults being super earnest about their love of the place. So some people may say that Disney adults are weird. But before you judge, let me give you some insight. Not everyone in this world was lucky enough to have a fair childhood. There are people who suffer from depression, anxiety, PTSD, and not much can actually make us smile. We are trying to work through the trauma. And if that means being obsessed with Disney, then so be it. It's about damn time we get to take our childhood back and start healing from what was taken. And even if you had a perfectly normal life, dance, sing, cry, and laugh at Disney, it's your life and yours alone. And remember, Disney will always be there to welcome you back home. I wasn't really sure where Yuliana was on the spectrum of Disney adults. It was the Dumbo in the room, so I thought I'd get it out of the way. Your adults who are passionate about this thing that is usually associated with childhood memories. What is a Disney adult? How would you define that? A Disney adult is somebody who never lost sight of that childlike wonder, but now has a disposable income to spend on things that we wish we could have spent when we were kids, that we had to get our parents' permission. And now we're like, I work, I have money, I can buy this myself. I can drive myself to Disneyland on my day off. Are there any fans that go too far? I've watched some extreme TikTok videos of Disney fanatics, and some of them do make me uncomfortable, I'm going to be honest. Absolutely. I agree with you there. I mean, to each his own and whatever makes you happy, but there's definitely a point where I don't relate to it. I feel like in the community, how deep it can go, I still am on like a somewhat casual level. Like I have less than 10 pairs of Mickey ears. Honestly, what I'm learning now is that, yes, everybody who does love Disneyland definitely grew up with Disney movies. It's part of our Americana. We don't really have a deep-rooted history, so Disney is one of those things that I think has affected our culture for the past 90-something years. She's right. It's been 99 years, to be precise. Back in 1923, an animator called Waltz created a short called Alice's Wonderland. His company, Laughagram Studios, had just collapsed. The name probably didn't help. So Walt went to Hollywood to hang out with his brother Roy. Together, Waltz and Roy created Disney Brothers Cartoon Studio, and three years later renamed it Walt Disney Studios. In 1928, they named a mouse Mortimer, before renaming him Mickey. Disney's first film with sound was Steamboat Willie, and it featured the debut of Mortimer, sorry, Mickey Mouse. And well, the rest is history. Stay tuned for more Flightless Bird. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Flightless Bird is sponsored by Athletic Greens, a product I use literally every day. I like to have my vitamins and my good stuff quickly and efficiently, and that's what AG1 gives me. Athletic Greens really does boost your energy. You can get your day started right in one scoop. I first started taking AG1 because I had no energy. I've been a little ill lately, and I have been taking Athletic Greens so I can move around a little bit and get the blood circulating. It's been very helpful. 
Usually healthy stuff tastes completely awful. This tastes really mellow and a little bit sweet, and I really, really like that. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. This will work for you. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash flightless. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash flightless to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Flightless Bird is supported by Indeed. No one has a business like yours with all its strengths and challenges. To succeed, you need a hiring partner that adapts to your needs. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data, United States. It's really hard to find someone who you work well with, don't you think? I think matching up people in any situation is a true nightmare. In a work situation, even more so. Yeah, exactly. Because everyone comes in with all their particular skills and personalities and indeed cuts through all that crap for you and it matches you with someone awesome. Start hiring now with the $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash bird. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash bird. Indeed.com slash bird. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How old is America? Like 200 and something years old. So like I'd say a good third of that Disney is involved in. She's not wrong. The United States of America was founded in 1776. It's 256 years old. Disney's been around for almost a century. So for more than a third of America's existence, Mickey Mouse has been doing his mousy things. And he's made an impression on generations of Americans. On Main Street, they have the silhouette artists. And there's this one woman, Bonnie, who's been working there 45 plus years. I got my silhouette done when I was five years old. And I went back for my 30th birthday. And I had my first silhouette on my screensaver. And I showed her. I'm like, oh, this is the first one I did. She's like, yeah, that was me. I did that. Because she could recognize her own style. That's incredible. 25 years later, the same silhouette artist was doing my silhouette. And she still works there. I still see her all the time. I find the deeply personal connection people have with Disneyland really interesting. And I guess with Disney in general. I mean, I get it. I love The Lion King. But the way some people talk about Disney, how proud they are of it, you'd think they're talking about this tiny little company that needs our help to survive. But Disney is almost offensively big. They own the Marvel and Star Wars universes. To me, they're like a black hole sucking in everything in its path. Hundreds of millions devouring their content on Disney+. Plus. They made nearly a billion dollars in a three-month period last year. And Disneyland has the largest cumulative attendance of any theme park in the world, with 800 million visits since it's opened. 
With all that wealth, there's an element of Scrooge McDuck. One million, two million, three million, four! I love this place, but I'm not going to not criticize it. They don't pay their staff a decent hourly wage. There's tons of accounts of full-time employees living out of their cars. Fuck. Yeah. There's stuff with the unions right now where Disney is trying to fight the unions and the unions are trying to get higher wages. There was an account of sexual harassment between a couple cast members and more stories came through and managers not really caring about the sexual allegations and misconduct. So it can be a great place to work from what I've heard from some other people and it can be a pretty shitty place to work for some other people. In Juliana's mind, any current complaints can be laid at the feet of Disneyland's new CEO, Bob Chapek. I googled him and he looks like most CEOs. White, middle-aged, bald. We had a CEO named Bob Iger who started in 2005. He was amazing. He was the one that basically acquired all these outside IPs. He was the one that bought Pixar from Steve Jobs. He's the one who bought Star Wars from George Lucas. He's also the one who bought Marvel and acquired Fox for $28 billion. This guy was not afraid to spend money to make money. So when Bob Iger retired, Bob Chapek took over. And he, throughout his entire career, has always been known as a penny pincher. A shining new era is tiptoeing nearer. I know it sounds sordid, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. He's the one that everybody actually despises right now. He's kind of the new Disney villain that everybody loves to hate on. And he's gone on record saying he's actually resentful that he's being known as this person. And I'm like, then don't act like that person, JPEG. You know, shrinkflation, you charge the same amount and you give people less. That's exactly what's happening in Disney right now. I love that you keep a track on who's in charge, like you're sort of across all that stuff. I like to know who's, you know, high on my shit list. I think... Disney is in this amazing spot where they can be the leaders in how to treat employees. They have the money. They're not struggling for money. They can set an example for how they want the world to treat hospitality workers, and they're not doing it. And that's what pisses me off. So my love of Disney is not free from criticism of Disney. If anything, it makes me criticize Disney more because I know more about the inner workings of the company and how they operate. Of course, Disney is fair game for criticism. We've seen a lot of it in the last few years, especially when Disney launched their streaming service, they discovered a bunch of their stuff wasn't fit for modern times. Even giant films got a little warning at the top saying they had old racist ideas in them. Dumbo, Peter Pan, The Jungle Book, and Lady and the Tramp all got their little content warning. And Disneyland and Disney World also came under fire. Certain rides needed updating, leading some older Disney fans to despair, or at least to write to their local paper. The Orlando Sentinel published an opinion piece called I Love Disney World, But Wokeness is Ruining the Experience, in which an old white guy got angry that his favorite racist rides were changing. I like to call them the Walt right 
They're like, Walt wouldn't like this. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what Walt would like. He's dead. (laughs) Also, he was progressive. So we don't know. We don't know that. But yeah, they updated a bunch of things. They updated pirates to get rid of the part where the women were being sold at auction. So I'm sorry, men, if you want to still see your women being sold at auction. Splash Mountain is getting a retheme to Princess and the Frog because Splash Mountain is based on a movie called Song of the South, which is about a slave. And sorry, members of the Walt Rice, that movie from 1946 got a little more than a content warning on Disney+. Plus. It didn't even get released. So Jungle Cruise, they had these tribal characters that were basically the only black animatronics in the park that were shown as savages. It was not great. I knew a lot of people that would not ride the ride because that was problematic. And rightfully so, they should be upset with that. Now, to be clear, removing that element of the ride was a great move for Disney, a no-brainer. But what they did next feels like a weird joke, but it's not. And well, this is what happened. They did replace those black animatronics with monkeys. Oh, God. Who are these people making these decisions? Someone in that board must have been like, this isn't a great replacement. Like, what message are we trying to send out here, guys? I remember writing at the first time. I'm like, is this your answer to that? For all of its questionable decisions, Disneyland finds new ways to draw fans in. Like C, S-E-A. A hidden backstory worked into every Disney park on the planet. Even your hardcore Disney fans, I'll be like, oh, do you know about C? And they're like, what the fuck is C? And I'm like, hmm. Yeah, count me in. What the fuck is C? There is this not-so-secret secret society that connects all the Disney parks in the world. And it started in Walt Disney World. It's called the Society of Explorers and Adventures, but it's shortened to C, S-E-A. There's this hidden backstory that's there. And like Disney is putting more details in as more rides are connected to C and the story of C develops. And so Jungle Cruise, which has always been part of the C lore, going back to those black animatronics, when they decided to take them out, they're like, great, we're going to put more C in. So there are all these crates and boxes that have returned to SEA. There's one crate that they put in that's returned to Mystic Hotel, which is also in Hong Kong Disney, which is Henry Mystic's hotel, which is their haunted mansion. And he's also a C member. So like they've interwoven the story and Jungle Cruise now is this beautiful mashup of all these C elements and this hidden backstory that Disney's trying to tell. It's a smart move, weaving in this backstory across all the parks and all the rides, making the fans, the Disney adults, feel special with this secret knowledge. No doubt Disney will eventually turn C into a film, the Avengers of Disney's amusement parks. It'll make millions, probably billions. Because yes, this is a business, and Disney is out to make as much money as humanly possible. It's reminded me of another thing. Isn't this some secret room or area that you get access to if you're a life member of Disneyland or something? Club 33. Club 33, right. So you have to pay your way into it. It's very expensive. There used to be a list that you could just join. And then eventually in 20 years, they would be like, oh, you're up. Can you afford it? 
now that list is closed and you just have to get recommended by another Club 33 member. To me, it sounds a bit like Raya for Disney adults paying to be with the Disney elite, the beautiful people. It is a very highly exclusive club. Depending on what level you are, I think there's like three or four different levels. Your initial payment into the club is anywhere between fifteen and $25,000. That's quite a lot. God, yeah. And then your annual payment is about the same amount. Wow. If you're ultra rich, that's pennies. There are two parts to Club 33. There's the lounge. Which is Lounge Nouveau. And then there's the restaurant. It's actual fine dining. There's lobster bisque, there's caviar, there's filet mignon. Wow. Good dessert menu? Oh, fantastic. And like beautiful desserts, like actual works of art. And of course, being a member, you never stand in line again. There's a bunch of other benefits that I don't even know because they just don't talk about it. It's probably like Fight Club, like the first rule of Club 33 (laughs) is we don't talk about Club 33. As someone who feels passionately about this place, how do you feel about something like this sort of elite Club 33 scenario where only the richest can belong and get this extra access? Like, does it bother you? Is it fine? It doesn't bother me because that's the world we live in. People with extra money, they can afford the special treatment. I've seen it my whole life. I grew up in Beverly Hills. I'm sure there are people that are bitter about it. We're in America. We're in America. It's capitalism. If people can afford this shit, why not? Why not is the mantra of the United States, the unwritten subtext of the Constitution. But regardless of whether you're a Club 33 member, a Disney adult, or just a random tourist, there are rules, and everyone has to stick by them. Disneyland is no place for savages. Disney is really strict on creating this sort of show, which actually does spill over to the guests. They hold us to a certain standard as well. There's a dress code that they're very strict about. Like if they see you dressing inappropriately, they will either not let you through security or they'll give you like a certificate to be like, go buy a shirt. What you're wearing is inappropriate. (laughs) What's inappropriate? Like no footwear or like no shirt or something. I've seen people there with sports bras, but like from what I heard, this one girl with like under boob, they were like, absolutely not. No under boob. There's no under boob in Disneyland. (laughs) Yeah. If somebody's wearing a shirt that has profanity on it, the Disneyland photographers won't take your picture. Right, it's pure. It's a place of purity and childlike wonder. Exactly. And also they have a strict rule of guests dressing like cast members. I can't go there in a full Cinderella costume because I will disrupt their character integrity if I'm walking around with the beer swearing. While Walt Disney himself hated the idea of serving alcohol at any of his theme parks, you can drink there now in certain areas. But again, your conduct always has to be like, well, like a Disney film. I will say Disney security is amazing at controlling out of control adults. They will take you away so fast. They have secret security that is in plain clothes around a lot of the alcohol areas. So if you're trying to like sneak somebody who's underage alcohol, you'll get caught immediately. I've seen a family get kicked out because a parent allowed their children to have a sip of alcohol, which is technically legal in California, but Disney's private property, they have their own rules and they're like, absolutely not. 
Stay tuned for more Flightless Bird. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Flightless Bird is sponsored by Babbel. Now, for most of us, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a high point of our academic careers. Oh my God. I took four years of Spanish in high school and I couldn't retain it. Babbel, it's a language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. There's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language, whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with family, or you just have some free time. Babbel teaches you bite-sized language lessons that you you'll actually use in the real world. I am re-engaging with Spanish and I'm super excited. I use it a couple times a week to practice. Just 15 minute lessons. It's so quick. It's a perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts and you can really feel the difference. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and your accent. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use promo code BIRD. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code BIRD. I just watched the finale of Succession, which is a show I love, and it reminded me of the very first episode. One of the characters, Greg, is working in a theme park, and he's dressed up in character, and he's horribly hungover, and he vomits through his suit, and there's vomit pouring out of his little cartoon mouth. I'm wondering if any of your Disneyland experiences have had any kind of disastrous elements. None that I've experienced myself, but now at the age of the internet, it'll circulate in the community. When Disney World opened up after the shutdown, they had a lot of issues because I think the universe was just saying, don't fucking do this. (laughs) There were all these like little things that went wrong here and there on Jungle Cruise in Disney World. One of the boats sank. A rough ride on the famous Jungle Cruise at Disney World. One of the boats nearly sunk. Pictures and video posted to social media show that boat taking on water Thursday afternoon. The water on the ride is not deep enough for it to fully go under, but it was likely quite a scare regardless. Everyone got out safe but wet. The ride reopened a short time later. It's just one of those things that you never expect to happen because Disney's supposed to be perfect and magical and nothing's ever supposed to go wrong. But at the same time, Disney is not free from the laws of physics and human error and mechanical error. So you get reminders of that once in a while. Disneyland is not free from the laws of physics. It's a fact worth remembering as people continue to pour in the gates, fighting for merchandise, a place in the queue and for a good time. And how do you have a good time at Disneyland? I guess that's the ultimate question. The woman with 500 visits under her belt says the secret is to follow what she calls the Disney wind. There's just so many cool things that happen randomly. And if something catches your eye and you're like, oh, I want to go that way. Or like, I see Alice. I'm going to go say hi to her. Like, we're beelining to Space Mountain. But look, it's the Cheshire Cat. You could have all these plans that you want to do that day. But you're never going to do everything you want to do. So go follow your instinct. Go find those little adventures and let the magic find you. It made me like Disney adults more 
talking to her. Yeah, it yeah. did. I just, I, I think maybe because she was just so self-aware. Yes. And I was like, if you want to take joy from this thing, then that's fantastic. And my cynicism sort of melted away somewhat. That's good. How, did, how do you feel about it? I love it. <laughs> I love that there are adults who let themselves, you know, relinquish adulthood. Mm. I like it. Yeah. Really, I just want to talk about C and Club oh. 33. C was wild to me because I had no idea that they'd wound this backstory in at all. Had you ever heard of no. that? No. Yeah. That's brand new information. But that's so, like, that makes me want to go tomorrow <laughs> and search out all the C yeah, clues. And they know it. They know it, right? Yeah. Like, that's the thing. You can look at that two ways. You can look at it incredibly cynically and go, this is trying to suck me back in. And uh -huh. they're just building this other giant, like, property. Or it's like, what a cool, creative thing to do. It's like with the Marvel films, right? It is. It's like they're building up this empire and you can either like get into that or you can look at it cynically and just be like, oh my goodness, like this is too much. I mean, look, it's Disney. They're marketing geniuses, obviously. They really, really are. I mean, like she said, a third of America's, on, on America's <laughs> timeline, a third of it includes Disney. That's Incredible. Yeah, that, that blew my mind. And I always think like New Zealand has such a short history as well. But like, I forget that America is so incredibly short as well. well like, we haven't been around lot. for long. We've packed <laughs> in a lot. And these cartoon characters have been with us for a lot of that time. Yeah. One thing I think that is so interesting hearing her, the things that normally would drive people crazy, like mm. lines, bad <laughs> service. Yeah. I mean, not saying it has bad service, but the hotels... Mm -hmm. Not to out any hotels, but <laughs> we stayed in a Disney hotel in Hawaii. Okay. Next to the Four Seasons. Okay, right. Very close. Yes. The difference in quality of oh, hotel. Oh, you could really notice that? They're not even on the same level. I would assume that like any sort of Disney resort is like a Four Seasons kind of experience, but not the case at all. The, the, the rooms are much different. The service right. is much different. There's obviously just kids running amok all over the place. What makes it a Disney hotel? Like, is it themed? Yeah, it's uh, themed. Like there's cartoon characters everywhere. Are they like wandering through the lobby? Yep. And there's water parks and there's merch. And, yeah, right. You know, yeah, the lobby is <laughs> themed. Yeah. But it's virtually the same price as the Four Seasons. Uh, and you right. see, oh, people are choosing this. They're choosing this experience over this other clearly like superior <laughs> one because it's Disney. Because it's Disney. Like you'll put all this stuff you know you want on the back burner because it's nostalgic. You, have you heard of this? new thing that Disney's just talking about recently called story living. No. So story living is like Disney is going to build its own. It's a little bit unclear what it is, but basically their own village that you can go and live in and you can retire <gasps> in it. And what? it's really unclear. The CEO has talked about it being like, it's all about story, but it's unclear whether it's going to have like Mickey Mouse running through the lobby and in this place, because they've also got that other place called celebration, which they made. And I think it was like, was it the 90s or the early 2000s? So they built a town, basically. Yeah. And people moved there thinking this is going to be the best thing ever. But it turns out that Disney had contracted out all the contracting to just a bunch of other people that aren't them. Oh. And there were leaky roofs. There was like mold on the walls. Oh. And suddenly these people that moved into Celebration, this Disneyland place to live, they suddenly found, oh, it's not actually that great <gasps> because it's Disney. Which makes me think of your hotel experience. Yeah. That's sad. And it was funny because when Celebration, everyone was like, this is utopia. But suddenly then there was the first robbery and those were like reported in the news because <laughs> there was this idea that if we moved to a Disney utopia. town, 
it'll be perfect. But yeah. surprise, surprise, it's not going to be. So the story living thing, mm. I think they're setting it up at Coachella near the <gasps> music festival. What? So that's where they're going to build the first Disney village. Wow. Very unclear exactly what it's going to look like. When you just brought up the CEO, I did bump when she said, we have a CEO. Oh, yeah, no, I love that. So <laughs> when she was talking like she was an employee. <laughs> yes. And she didn't clock that she was doing this. Right. The whole conversation, and it's not all in that edited documentary, but we talked for quite a while, and she would often talk about Disney World and Disneyland like it's our thing. Family. <laughs> like our family. No, really. Yeah. Like, it was the first time I was like, oh my God, she thinks she's a cog in the whole system. They believe they're a family. And really proud of it. She's not an employee being paid by Disney. She is paying them. And she feels like she is a part of that. And it's a really wonderful thing. And good on her. Mm. Like she's aware of is that. Is it Stockholm but... Syndrome? Oh, I mean, just... can we go out it's on like, a limb need, and yeah, say Do you that? need help? Like, do you need to get out of here? Yeah. <laughs> so we had BJ Novak on Armchair. And mm. he gave in my opinion, a very, very good definition, his definition of nostalgia, mm -hmm. which he says is it's memory without the anxiety. Huh. I love that because I think that's what's happening there. Maybe the first time they went to Disney, there was some anxiety standing in the lines. What's the ride going to be? Is it going to be busy? What's the food going to taste like? But the more you go, the less yeah. fear there is or anticipation. And it's just left with this like, and I guess happiness. also the fact that you're an adult and you're not filled just personally with all the anxieties of being a kid about being freaked out about anything. As an adult, you sort of semi got your life together so you can go and enjoy these childlike things with excessive income yeah. and all that kind of thing. Because also, I guess when you're a kid in there, you want to buy all this fun stuff, but your parents are probably <laughs> oh, yeah. like, absolutely not. You're not going to buy all those things. <laughs> Sorry, I've already spent $400 on your oh, ticket. And it's outrageous. Like There's some big celebration going on about like an anniversary at Disney World and they release limited edition merchandise mm, and a lot of Disney adults that. go there just for the merchandise yes. just to get that stuff the and then pin. there's a whole secondary market on eBay <gasps> where they're trading this stuff because it is so rare it's yeah. like NFTs it's like wow. that exists within that world as well God. I mean I'm actually surprised I'm not a Disney adult it is I kind made of, it seems to be written like even like looking at what you're wearing today it's like very relaxed <laughs> like colorful tracksuit I feel like it absolutely could be you. Up my alley, because I love limited edition. I mean, I do really, really want to be invited into Club 33. Do you know people in there? You must have bumped into people that are part of that. I have, mm. and I'm going to work my magic and get myself <laughs> yeah. in. Drew Carey, who we had on, we spent a large mm. portion of the episode talking about Disney and Club 33. Amazing. And he said he would get me in. Follow that up. What a man to invite you into that world. Right? I would love to enter into that place with someone like that. Yes, but mm. I don't want to shit on Disney every minute, but I have to say this. Mm. I do know people who have gone, mm. and one of our very good friends went, and she wasn't wearing the right thing. So oh, underboob. Was underboob <laughs> reveals. She came in with underboob, <laughs> and she had to buy an outfit. <laughs> Amazing. So this is all part of the cycle, right? Like, oh, you're not dressed right, but they're luckily. Yeah, we've got a lot of clothes yes. on sale that you can cover that body up with that boob with was she okay with it no was she, she was really she was fuming. unhappy yes yeah. but so she bought a dress and <laughs> kept the tags on because she's smart uh-huh they went in and she said it was one of the most mediocre meals they've ever had 
But the way she spoke about it, she literally called it fine dining. <laughs> she was really oh, impressed. With, she no, loved she was really it. impressed. Yeah, like especially like the whole Club Thirty Three situation. Yes. She was like, "That is just there'll be nothing better." That's her utopia. Trying to get in there. I have to go and report back. Crazy thing about all this, I still haven't been. Why? So I'm still kind of talking about this as an outsider because I find it intimidating. I don't know who to go with. <laughs> Everyone I know has been a million times. And wants to keep going. I'm not a big theme park guy. Like I've been to Universal because I love Jurassic Park. So mm -hmm. I'll go on the Jurassic Park ride. But nothing in me wants to go and stand in these really long lines all day. Just to do what? Go on some rides, look at Mickey Mouse. There's so little appeal to it. Interesting. Me. Yeah. Also, the older we get, the more problematic these rides become, too, which is another interesting facet of this is there's all these adults walking around who can't really ride the rides or they'll puke. <laughs> or their bodies are ruined. <laughs> Vertigo. Like they've got bad backs and stuff. You know me a little bit. Like, what yeah. would I get out of it? What would I enjoy about Disneyland or Disney World? Okay. I think you would come <laughs> in cynical, as you are. Uh-huh. And over time, you would get kind of caught up in this community and this love and this magic. I think it yeah. would actually wear down some of your cynicism. Like just, the joy, just the, the just joy from these people would come through. Joy. Pure yeah. joy. And I that's something that would it. cut through my armor of cynicism that I walk yeah. around with every day. I have a weird, David, it's almost like you're equating Disney to your old relationship with religion or something. <laughs> what is this therapy? <laughs> yeah, it I was just is. talking to my therapist about my religious upbringing you this were. morning. Look, it's incredibly fair. I get really cynical about any system that you buy into, and I just want to be against any kind of structure. And, and it's, it definitely holes. goes back to to religion for me. And a bit annoying that you see right through me so <laughs> easily, but it's fine. But yeah, I do. I get really annoyed when there's like a group that everyone buys into. And I yeah. do look at Disney and it is like a religion. People are so, so into it. I know people find it joyous, but I'm also deeply suspicious and cynical about it to the point where even with religion, you give so much money to it. And I just see people pouring so much money into these theme parks. Yeah. And I'm like, they're already so wealthy. Why are you making them more wealthy? So that's where my brain goes. Yeah. I mean, it's weirdly similar. There's money involved. There's a blind faith. You're encouraged to like bring other people along yep. and just spend so much money there. But at the same time, I get the nostalgia aspect because I mean, I can't talk. I've got more disposable income than I had when I was 10. And I'll occasionally buy things from my childhood that mm -hmm. like I couldn't get then that I'll have. Like I've got, this is so embarrassing, but like I own figurines. I'm a 39-year-old man and okay, I have like some figurines on. on the shelf and I only clock it sometimes if friends come over and they look up and I sort of see their little eyes clock them. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. And then I realize like what I am. And so also I can't talk because I do that. I would argue a grown man who collects little alien figurines is desperately more problematic than someone that goes to <laughs> Disneyland. So I can't talk. None of it's problematic. I do need more information on the figurines. <laughs> I've moved some of them out of the lounge, like into my bedroom. <laughs> I took Rob onto a, this little comic store and I went in there and I ducked in and Rob saw me. Like okay. He saw my eyes light up and oh. I walked out with a bag of things from my childhood. Yeah. Oh and they're, so God. they're comic figurines. They're like of your favorite comics. So if I see like a vintage Jurassic Park oh. thing, because when I was 13, it was the first film I was allowed to see. Again, Christian upbringing. And then... 
any alien figurines. It's like I light up. It's this thing that I can't explain. And yeah, Rob got to witness it oh my very gosh. clearly. Well, it represents yeah. kind of a freedom. It's freedom. And it's like I can finally get this stuff and have what I want. Yeah. But there is this dissonance where I'm looking at Disney adults like they're freaks. I think other people would look at me sometimes and be like, oh, my goodness, you collect that stuff. That's quite weird. And to be clear, my shelf has other things on it. I've got books. Sure, sure, sure. And really adult things. Of course. Just like a few figurines. It's not littered with figurines. Don't worry. I know you're a grown up. But that's what we do, right? We project our own insecurities onto other people. Yeah, so that's what's happening yeah. with you at Disney. So maybe it would, if you go, you can let some of that go. That can melt off. Yeah. Because I also think being cynical is such an easy thing to do. Like mm-hmm. I honestly think cynicism is the easy way out. And it's much more difficult not to be cynical. So I would like to try that. How many figurines do you have? In New Zealand, I've got a lot more. I didn't bring them in the suitcase with like me 100? over here. No, I'd have maybe like 50 okay. probably figurines here in Los Angeles. I've probably got three or four now. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. You have three or four, but you only cool. have it's two fine. mugs. I've only got two mugs. <laughs> and you just procured the second one. <laughs> yeah, I've got more figurines than mugs. Yeah, that's doing really bad adulting. So, but yeah, why am I single? I don't know. I love this. I think it's very endearing. <sighs> well, I will make... An effort to go to one of these parks and maybe I'll take my dictaphone and report back on how that experience goes. You're going to come back so smiley and so childlike. It's crazy I haven't gone. The journalist in me, I think, likes to look at things from the outside looking in. But I've got to immerse myself. Take off the hat. Yeah, I've got to do a Michael Mike Moore and get myself in there, you know? Let's do it. Okay. 